Today's daf is daf Lamed Dalid. We are holding uh, a little more than halfway down on Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis at the two dots. So the Mishnah had stated as follows: the Mishnah had said that if there has been a neder placed upon a person that he's not allowed to uh, get benefit from uh, his fellow, so there can still be a mitzvah of machzir aveda between them. I mean, you're allowed to return a lost object even though there is a neder restricting one from receiving benefit. Now, what we're going to discuss today is mudr which is the case the Mishnah was discussing. It's not clear. Let's just talk about the situation where Reuben lost the object, Shimon found the object. It's not clear which way is the nether going. Is Shimon not allowed to be receiving benefit from Reuven? Or is Reuven not allowed to be receiving benefit from Shimon? All we know is that Shimon is allowed to return the object to Reuven. We're trying to clarify over here which way does the nether go. And bear in mind the next part of the Mishnah, which we learned yesterday, was that it said that if there is a custom in this particular locale that a person returning an object has the right to receive payments for his efforts, right, that money should go to the Beis HaMikdash. It should, you give it to Tzedakah, you give it to the Beis HaMikdash. So that has to fit into the equation as well, which we'll get into now. There's going to be two versions of the Machlokas. There's going to be a Machlokas Rav Amir Rav Asi, two versions of it. The problem that we're going to have to deal with, which just adds another level of complexity here, is that the girsa we have in Al Gemara fits Rashi, the Mephorish over here, and also an, an understanding fits the way the Rush explains it. It doesn't fit the way the Ran explains it. And the Ran has a different girsa. So we're going to take a little bit of time out to explain it the way the Ran understands as well. But we're going to start off understanding the girsa as Al Gemara has it. Now, so over here, Mazalo es Avedosogen, that's where we're up to. He's allowed to, halakhically, it does not violate the nether, to return the Aveda. Now, Pligibor of Ami Rav Asi. Rav Ami and Rav Asi argue how to interpret the case of the Mishnah. Alright? Now, let's go through outside. It's just important to understand conceptually outside what's happening over here. Now, there's two ways that we can be discussing that the way the netter works, so it can either be talking about either one of either, or maybe it's talking about both ways, but it can either be talking about Shimon who found it, Reuven lost it. So, is it that Shimon's nechassim or aser on Reuven, or is it Reuven's nechassim or aser on Shimon, or is it including both scenarios? Now, let's understand this for a moment. But the one is going to understand in the first Lushan, this is the way the Rashi explains it, the Mephorosh explains it, the first Lushan, the first version is as follows. Let's say, Shimon, a neder, uh, Shimon made the neder that Reuven is not allowed to benefit from him. Reuven lost it? Reuven lost it. And Shimon made a, had made a neder previously that Reuven is not allowed to get any benefit from Shimon. It means Reuven is, Shimon is not allowed to benefit Reuven because there's a nether made that, that, Ruvain, that Shimon's not allowed to benefit Reuven. So the Gemara holds like this, that that would not preclude Shimon giving Reuven back the object. Why? Because at the end of the day, whose object is it? 
Ruvain. So even though Shimon is not allowed to benefit Ruvain, but really all Shimon is doing is getting Ruvain back, the object that belongs to it anyway, and therefore there's not, that would not be the violation of the nether for Shimon. So therefore, that for sure would work in our Mishnah. That even though there's a nether between them, what's the nether between them? That Shimon is not allowed to benefit Ruvain. It rules the Mishnah, not a problem. Shimon can still give back the object because it's Ruvain's object to begin with. Now, this is not, this is not such a clear issue because at the end of the day, there is a concept, this machlokas we had in Ksuvas, it's called Mavriach Ari. If you chase away a lion, if you chase away a lion from someone's flock, at the end of the day, you're protecting his asset. Is that viewed as having benefited him or not? You're, you're, you're scaring away the lion. So the question over here is, you could make an argument, it's true that you're returning Ruvain's object to himself, but at the end of the day, Ruvain didn't have that object. So therefore, that should be, that could be argued that it's a benefit, because what you're doing is, you're making sure that Ruvain gets back his object and nothing happens to it. Yet, the first version holds that that is not considered to be a, ver- a, a benefit. So, get, getting Shimon, Shimon to give back Ruvain's object, that for sure works, the Gemara understands in the Mishnah, that you could be machzer aveda, under that circumstance, because all you're doing is giving Ruvain to him that which actually was his. Ari had a question. Yeah, so is it that Ruvain made the netter that says, I won't back... It could go either way. The end of the- I'm not, my I'm not either way, not either way. At the end of the day, that Shimon's assets and Shimon is prohibited from giving Ruvain benefit would not be a problem in this case, and it would fit the Mishnah that Shimon can give back the object because it, if, it, if, the, if it only went from Shimon's assets to Ruvain, that's not a violation of it over here. So where is the Machlokas Rav Amin Ravasi? What happens if the nether was made the other way? What do you mean the nether was made the other way? Is that Ruvain is not allowed to benefit Shimon. That Ruvain is not allowed to benefit Shimon. Or Ruvain's assets are not allowed to benefit Shimon. So you would say, well, what's the problem here? If Shimon is giving back Ruvain's assets to Ruvain, where is there any thought in this case that what? That Shimon benefit. So and here is where there's going to be a machlokas. Now this is based on a sugya in Baba Metziah. The machlokas in Baba Metziah is as follows. If I find a lost object, I have a responsibility of safeguarding it. I'm a shomer. What level of shomer am I? Right? I have to safeguard it, make sure nothing happens to it. Am I a shomer chinam? Which means I'm not getting paid for it. Or am I Shoma Sachar? I am getting paid for it. So at first glance, it could be clear that what type of a Shomer am I? I'm a Shomer Chinam. Now that has in it certain leniencies. If it gets stolen or it gets lost, not through my negligence, but I would be potter from Gneva Vaveda if I'm only a Shomer Chinam. But if I'd be a Shomer Sachar, I'm getting paid, then I'm higher for Gneva Vaveda, unless it's Mamish and Onus. But I would be higher. Now, so, the rabbi says, you're a Shomer Chinam, right? Comes along Rabbi Yosef, and he's being a tremendous Chiddush in Alocha, which has a lot of implications. I'm not going to get all into it today, because it's beyond the scope. But what he says as follows is, that there is a concept of Osik Mitzvah is Potom and a Mitzvah. If you are involved in Mitzvah A, 
At that same time, you have mitzvah B comes around, you don't have to do mitzvah B because you're involved in mitzvah A. Since being involved in a person's, watching a person's, or being actively involved in a person's aveda, that means that at the same time that I'm watching the aveda, actively watching the aveda, not so locked in the closet somewhere, I do not have to do the mitzvah of tzedakah. But Meshulach is knocking at the door at the same time that I'm actively involved in Aveda, I can ignore the knocks and do not have to answer the door, which saves me at least a pruta. And since it saves me at least a pruta, says Rabbi Yosef, that makes every Shomer Aveda not a Shomer Chinam, actually makes him a Shomer Sachar. And since he becomes a Shomer Sachar, he is Chayev in Gnev of Aveda. That is the Chiddush of Rabbi Yosef in Baba Metzion. Says the Gemara, well now let's take a look how that impacts over here. That's going to be the Machlokas of Ami and Rav Asi. Okay? Do we say that if Shimon would actively be involved in returning this object to Ruvain, that at the time that he's involved in it, he now becomes exempt from having to give an ani tzedakah. That would mean that Ruvain is then benefiting Shimon. So therefore, according to at least one opinion, is that if the nether was that the uh, assets of Ruvain, or Ruvain is not allowed to benefit Shimon, Shimon then would be precluded, would not be allowed to return the object that was Ruvain's back to Ruvain because it would also be considered like benefiting from Ruvain. How would it be benefiting from Ruvain? Because of the Pruta of Rabbi Yosef. That's going to be one opinion. The other opinion says it might be Pruta of Rabbi Yosef is enough to make him consider to be a Shomer Sachar, but it is not a common situation. Since it's not a common situation, we cannot say that therefore we're concerned that if Shimon returns the object to Reuven at the same time an Ani might show up, and therefore Reuven's considered benefiting Shimon, therefore he should not give it back. We're not concerned about it, and therefore will be no problem giving it back. Which step away, which means basically comes out like this. According to one opinion, when do we say that Ruvain is allowed to give, I mean that Shimon finds Ruvain's objects, allowed to give it back to Ruvain? That's only talking about where Shimon's assets became prohibited to Ruvain. Shimon's assets become prohibited to Ruvain, then there's no problem of Shimon giving back an object to Ruvain, because really all he's giving is giving something that belongs to Ruvain. It's not viewed as if he's benefiting Ruvain, it's okay. But if the, if the vow had gone the other way, that Ruven's assets were also to Shimon, Shimon would not be allowed to return the object. Why would he not be allowed to return the object? Because by returning the object, he'd be receiving benefit, and he would be getting off the proof. That would be one opinion. The other opinion says that that's not a common situation. So therefore, either way, whether the nether involves Shimon's assets on Ruven, or Ruven's assets on Shimon, Either way, <coughs> that would not be problematic. Either way, Shimon would be allowed to return the object to Ruvain. That's going to be, according to the first version, the Machlokas. Let's read, let's read it inside. So what is it like this? So, Plikibarav Ami Bravasi, Chad Amar, one of the two, Rav Ami Bravasi, once said, Lo Shona Asurin Al Bala Vega, that it's only discussing a situation where the Machzir, the Machzir, the one returning the object, when Shimon in our case, where Shimon's assets were Asur on the Bala Vega, the owner of the Adur, on Ruvain. 
Because when Shimon is returning the object, it's not viewed as Shimon benefiting Reuven. Why? Because is only something that belongs to Reuven anyway. He's returning to him. So since he's returning to Reuven, that which belongs to Reuven anyway, it's not viewed as Shimon benefiting Reuven, and he can return it. That's why Mishnah says he's allowed to give it back. But if it would be the other way around, if Reuven's the chassim would be usher on Shimon, then Shimon would not be allowed to return it. Why not? Because he would be getting the benefit by returning the object, he would miss either miss, miss Hanile, he would be getting the benefit from Ruvain of the Pruta of Rabbi Yosef that his partner from giving Tadaka at the same moment that he is returning the object to Ruvain. That would be one opinion. Chad Amr, the other opinion says, that the case of the Mishnah could be talking about the nether goes both ways. Whether it's Shimon's assets usher on Ruvain, or Ruvain's assets usher on Shimon. Ru- Shimon would still be allowed to return it. Why? Because from Shimon's assets usher on Ruvain, no problem, you're giving Ruvain back his item. I, what about by giving Shimon back his item, you're receiving now a benefit. What benefit? Because I'd be potter in Tzedakah at that moment. He says, usher, he says, not a problem. You could still give it back. Because is not considered to be a common enough thing that you're worried about at the moment is giving back the object. He's going to be receiving a pruta from Ruvain because that's not something common that you have to be concerned about. Not problematic. Okay, so this is the reading of our Mishnah. Uh, the, the reading of our Gemara right now, basically that the understanding in our Mishnah, what is the case? Is it talking about Dafka, where Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain, and there's no problem Shimon giving it back because he's giving Ruvain back his own object? Or it could be talking about both Shimon's assets, assets also on Ruvain, and Ruvain's assets also on Shimon. I, Ruvain's assets also on Shimon, what about he's getting now the fruta? We don't worry about the fruta of Yosef according to this uh, position, because it's not common. But that's the machlok, is Rav Amim Rasi, is it specifically Shimon's assets also on Ruvain, could it even include Ruvain's assets also on Shimon? That's the first Lashem. Now, ask the Gemara like this. This is where the Machlokas Ran, the Russian Rashi, comes into play. Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah, the case that we're discussing right now in our Mishnah, there was a caveat. What did the Mishnah state? It says, If you're in a locale where there is a reward, there is a, actually a wage that is set that the, that, that, that the recipient the owner of the Aveda has to pay the person who's returning back for his efforts, so then Tipul Hanola Hegdish, in such a case, that money should go to the Beis Amigdash. Now let's analyze this for a moment, because again, that line has to fit the way we explained the Mishnah. Alright? Now, say anything more like this. This is, this is going to be the point of contention between the Mephorish and, Ru- and the Rush against the Ron. The Mephorish and the Rush learn like this. Is that for sure, I understand that line is if Ruvain is not allowed to benefit Shimon, if Ruvain is not allowed to benefit Shimon, then obviously he's not allowed to pay him for his wages. So therefore, if the case in our Mishnah includes both ways, Shimon not allowed to benefit Reuben, and Reuben not allowed to benefit Shimon, that line makes sense. 
because then you're saying is because since Reuven it includes not just Shimon uh, benefiting Reuven but it also includes Reuven benefiting Shimon so I understand right why it is that you have to say that that the reward goes to based on Migdash because Reuven is not allowed to reward Shimon because that would be benefiting him so it has to go to based on Migdash but that's only if you learn the case in our Mishnah involves both directions but if you learn that the case in our Mishnah where you're allowed to give back the Aveda specifically talks about where Shimon is not allowed to benefit Reuven but does not talk about a case where Reuven is allowed to benefit Shimon so we're not discussing the case that Reuven is not allowed to benefit Shimon. We're only talking about the case that Shimon is not allowed to benefit Reuven. Well, if it's only Shimon not allowed to benefit Reuven, that's why he's got to give back the Avedis. Why can't he take the wages? The Chorah, he should be allowed to take the wages. Why should he not be allowed to take the wages? Why, why, why should he be allowed to take the wages? Is be- benefiting? Because, because the, 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 the nether was only that Shimon is not allowed to benefit, benefit Reuven. But for Reuven to pay Shimon... There's no, that it only doesn't go that way. That way, is okay. that, that way we said the Nedra can't be discussed in that case in the Mishnah. So therefore, why can't Reuven pay Shimon for the wages? Why does the Mishnah say? I think they said Mikdush. When you say Shimon can't benefit Reuven, Shimon can't do something that Reuven receives the benefit of? We said there was, there's two ways you could cut, it could be either Shimon's assets aren't allowed to benefit Reuven, or Reuven's assets aren't allowed to benefit Shimon. Right? So, so one way of learning it goes both ways, right? The, the case in our mission is talking about the Nedra was made both ways. Either Reuben not allowed to get Shimon, Shimon not allowed to get Then we understand why Reuben is not allowed to pay wages to Shimon. Because if Reuben pays wages to Shimon, he violates... Because Shimon now benefits from Reuben's Correct. Therefore, that, that, then the Mishnah makes sense why it has to go based on English. But if we learn that we can't be talking about a case where Reuben's assets are also in Shimon. Because if Reuben's assets are also in Shimon, Shimon wouldn't be allowed to give back the Aveda because he gets the benefit of the Pruta. So therefore, the only way the case was talking about is that Shimon is not allowed to benefit Reuben. Not that Reuben is not allowed to benefit Shimon. Well, if the case is talking about that Shimon is not allowed to benefit Reuben. And but Shimon is allowed to give back the Aveda because that's not considered benefiting Reuben. It's just reinstating what no, belongs to him. So then why can't Reuven pay him wages? That's, that's the Morris question, according to the Mephorish. So Morris says, none. We learned in the Mishnah, that if you're in a locale where wages are collected for the returning of the object, that wage cannot be collected, and therefore that wage, the Chorah, means it has to go to the base of Megdash. Now, this law, I can understand, that actually the case in the Mishnah is talking about both ways. The case is talking about where Shimon's assets were Asr and Reuben, and Reuben's assets are Asr and Shimon. Now I understand why the wages cannot be collected, because Reuben's not allowed to benefit Shimon, because his assets are Asr and Shimon. So therefore, so uh, that uh, if it's talking about a filo benichte bal aveda, where Reuben's assets are sur and al mazir, so then nami mahad, and the Mishnah is telling you that in that case you could still give back the aveda, right? We're talking about that case because we're not worried about pruta of Rabbi Yosef according to that opinion. So I understand the caveat, that last line in the Mishnah, that Malkam Shinot Mayaskar would be the place where wages are paid, Tipol Hanala Hektus, the wages go to the base. This makes a lot of sense, because how can Reuven pay the wages if Reuven's assets are also on Shimon? 
But if you are of the opinion that if in fact there was a neder that Ruben's assets are usher on Shimon, lo mahada Shimon wouldn't be allowed to give back because it can't be talked about because then there's a problem of Prutah Rabbi Yosef. So then if we're not talking about that case, this only talking about where Shimon's assets were usher on Ruben, well, if we're only talking about a case where Shimon's assets are on Ruben, then he should be able to pay him the wages. So then Amai Tipah Hegdish, why in such a case does the Hanah have to go to the base of Migdash? That is the question, again, the way the Mephorosh learns this, the way Ra- the Rosh learns this question. Now, on that, the Gemara answers. Let me tell you what the Gemara's going to answer. You're, you're right. Under normal circumstances, if it's only Shimon's assets also to Ruvain, if Ruvain wants to pay him, what would be the Alocha? If, if, oh, if only Shimon's assets were usher on Ruvain, he should be allowed to pay him. However, the case he's talking about, what happens if Shimon says, I don't want to take money from him? What if Shimon would say, I don't want to take money from him? Ruben's allowed to pay me. I don't want his money. I don't want his money. So in such a case, Ruben wouldn't be allowed to hold on to it. Why wouldn't Ruben be allowed to hold on to it? Because then it looks like Shimon is benefiting Ruben. That's the case where we're talking about the Tipul Hanol Lesamigdus. So what you have to say, there's a nuance. Meaning the case is that Shimon's assets are also to Ruben. Shimon's allowed to give back the Aveda to Ruben. Because just returning the assets to Ruben is not a benefit from Shimon. The I, why isn't, the, why does it say that if Ruben pays him, that if, uh, wants, wants to pay him, that money has to go to the base of Migdash? It's talking about specifically a situation, a nuance. You mean generally Ruben could pay him. But we're talking about a situation where Shimon doesn't want to get the money. That's what it's referring to. Achadaktani. means only it's a nuance of the scenario. It's not all cases. One of the situations, one of the situations would require they, that the money goes to Beza Migdash. What case would be the money has to go to Beza Migdash? In the case where Shimon doesn't want to take money from Ruben, Ruben wouldn't be allowed to hold on to it. Why wouldn't Ruben be allowed to hold on to it? Because then if Shimon, that's the benefit of Shimon, he would not be allowed to. That is the way the Rosh and the Mephorosh learn. Now, comes along the Ran, and the Ran says, I disagree with the whole interpretation. Why? He says as follows, because I hold, says the Ran, and he said it's clear from the Gemara later on as well, is that let's say there is a nether that, uh, that Ruben is not allowed to, that, 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 that uh, let's say there is a nether that says that Shimon is not allowed to benefit from Ruben. There is such a nether that Shimon is not allowed to get from Ruben. But Shimon does work for Reuven. Shimon is not allowed to benefit from Reuven, but Shimon does work for Reuven. Compensation for Reuven to benefit him, to pay him, that's, that's not viewed as benefit. Why is that not viewed as benefit? Because you're getting paid for the work that you owe him. It's only when it's above and beyond, but not when it's... When you say, hey, I don't want to get paid. Then that's but, 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 but to say that stuff, so therefore says the Ron, that to say that it makes sense... With if, if, if Ruvain if, 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 if Ruvain is not allowed to benefit Shimon that he's not allowed to pay him that doesn't make sense he said there's no problem in it therefore the Ron learns the question and answer here completely different based on that problem the Ron says the shot is like this what the Ron says is that he learns that the case, the way the, the mission is being set up. Let me go. The rush learned the case was that it's only, there's only one case in the Mishnah. The only question is, does it go both ways, the nether, or does it only go one way? 
And the question was, on the opinion of the ones, it goes one way, and then we have to say it's a nuance in that case. The Ron actually learns is that the Machlokas, Rav Ami Nervasi, is there one case in the Mishnah, or are there two cases in the Mishnah? Is the case in the Mishnah that Shimon's asset are also in Ruvain, but it can't be a case of Ruvain's asset or Shimon, or are there two cases? There's case one, Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain, and there's case two, that Ruvain's assets are also on Shimon. That's how the Ron learns the Mishnah. And that comes along the Gemara and says like this. Says the Gemara as follows. Is that if you learn that there's only one case in the Mishnah, and that case is Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain, I can understand the last line of the Mishnah. If Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain, then why is it that Ruvain's not allowed to pay him? It must be talking about the situation where Shimon says, I don't want to take his money. In such a case, you have to go give the, the money to the Beis HaMikdash. That's the Demar's question. According to that's the gifts of the Ron. That makes sense, right? But if you learn there's two cases in the Mishnah, so even if you can figure out a way that it's not a problem when Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain, and he's talking about where Shimon doesn't want the money, how are you going to explain the case? Why does it have to go to the Beis HaMikdash when Ruvain's assets are also on Shimon? That standalone case. Reuben's assets are Azur and Shimon. Why, if Reuben's assets are Azur Shimon, can't Reuben pay him? We said compensation does not violate the nether. That's the question. The question is actually on that opinion. Because it's like he doesn't learn it's one case. It's two standalone cases. Why, in that case, can't Reuben pay him? On that thing, what I answer is Chadaktani. You're right. It's only going on one of the two cases. The, the, the opinion that learns that it's two cases in the Mishnah and it says you're not allowed to take compensation as it goes based on Migdash is only going on one of the two cases when Shimon's assets are usher to Reuven and Shimon doesn't want to get paid. That's the scenario. But when Reuven's assets are usher and Shimon there is actually... When Reuven's assets are usher on Shimon, there's actually no reason that Shimon wouldn't be allowed to take it because compensation does not violate the nether. That is the way the Ron had learns it. A completely different shakhlavitari and different interpretation of what a charaktani means. Let's go on. Okay. Now. Ikadamasni. Laha. Baha'i Lishna. This is going to be version number two. Now, let me throw out, again, explain version number two outside before we see it inside. Version number two is going to hold like this. Both opinions hold, not a problem. Why? I, if I'm returning my object, I'm saving myself a dollar from giving the Oni, because it's so uncommon that Mamish at the same time, return the object, you're going to get hit up with Tzedakah. Not a common thing. It might make you enough to be a Shomer Sacher, but it's not enough to be worried that there's a violation of the nether. Not a problem. So what, what's that? No, no. In that case, you wouldn't be allowed to, but, but that's not something you have to worry about, because at that bottom line, it doesn't happen. So therefore, it doesn't happen common. So therefore, you can return the lost object, not a problem. So therefore, that's not... So therefore, when the Mishnah says that Shimon can return the object, for sure could be a talking about a situation where Reuben's assets are also on Shimon. So where Reuben's assets are also on Shimon, no problem returning the object. We don't worry about Puta Rab Yosef. Where is the Machlokas? The Machlokas actually where Shimon's assets are also on Reuben. Now we said when Shimon's assets are also on Reuben, why can't Reuben return the object? L'chorah, you're just giving Reuben back his object. You're not giving anything from Shimon. No, that's where the Machlokas is going to be. Because that is based on when you scare off the lion. 
When you scare the lion, am I considered to have benefited the guy and not benefited the guy? Over here, there's a good argument can be made that even though it is Ruvain's object, but it's not in Ruvain's possession right now. What's making it get into Ruvain's possession? And therefore, I am doing a benefit from him. So there is going to be an opinion that that's a violation of the nether. So therefore, according to this, everyone holds the case with Mishnah when you're allowed to give it back is when Ruvain's assets are also to Shimon. Where the machlok is this, are you allowed to give back the Acid, if Shimon's assets are also to Ruvain, that's when the Machlok is. Machlok is going to be in the din of Abriah Chari, scaring off the line. Is that considered benefiting or not? Let's see it in some. So, Ikra, Damasni, Lo, Baha'i, Lishna. Some learned in the following Lashen. Pligi, Bar, Ravami, Ravasi. That Ravami, Ravasi argue in this particular situation. Right? Chad Amar, one opinion, says, Lo Shana Ela B'Shenitz Le'Bala Beida Asurin Al-Maksim, is that the Mishnah is specifically talking about where Ruvain's assets are Asur on Shimon. The owner of the object's assets are Asur on Shimon. I, what's the problem? You're not, you're not allowed to get benefit from Ruvain. I, when you're returning it, you're going to get benefit. How are you getting benefit? Because of Pruter of Yosef. Pruter, Mishon, Pruter of Yosef, Lo Shchich. It's not a common thing. We don't have to worry about it. And therefore, Shimon can return the object He's he, to, to, to Ruvain, not a problem. Even though he's not allowed to benefit from Ruvain, but that's not considered benefiting from Ruvain because it's not a common thing that you get the Pruta of Rabbi Yosef. But if Shimon's assets are usher, he's not allowed to benefit Ruvain. If Shimon's not allowed to benefit, that's a Loy According to the first opinion, you're not allowed to give it back. Why? Because that's considered benefiting him. How's that benefiting him? I'm now re uh, locating the asset for him. Something that I'm protecting it from something happened to it. That's considered a benefit. And therefore, it cannot be talking about that Shimon's asset was also on Rubain. It can only be talking about where Rubain's asset on Shimon. That's why you're allowed to return the object. Right? On that comes along Bechad uh, Amar. The other opinion says, that even if Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain, you're allowed to return Mutter. The Chimahadale, uh, because when you're returning the object back to Ruvain, Midi Danavshe Kamahadale, all you're giving back to is that which belongs to him. So now the second version comes out is that the Mishnah for sure is talking about where Ruvain's assets are ushered to Shimon. And your Shimon's allowed to give back the object because you don't worry about the Pruta. But what the argument is, is what about if Shimon's assets are usher to Ruvain? If Shimon's assets are usher to Ruvain, is the act of returning and considered benefiting him or not? That's where there is a machlokis. Now let's go back to the, the caveat, the last line of the Mishnah. It says, however, you have to be careful. If you live in a place where the, uh, there is a reward, there is a compensation made, not compensation, you have to pay the person for his efforts, for his time, are you allowed to pay that or you're not allowed to pay that? And that's the Mishnah saying clearly you can't. You have to, it has to go, Tipal Hano, I'm sorry, the Schar has to go to the Beis HaMikdash. Now let's understand that, alright? Now, this is where in the Ran it fits a lot better. In the Rosh and the, and the Rosh, you have to make a little bit of a knech. If this second Russian holds, like the Ran argued, is that is compensation. Compensation, in and of itself, 
is not considered to be problematic. You're allowed to do so. Therefore, if, if, even if Reuven's assets are also on Shimon, Reuven would be, Shimon would be allowed to collect that because only compensation. The only way that could work is if Shimon's assets were also on Reuven and Shimon didn't want to collect the money. That's how you would have to learn it. But now we have to go back and see. According to the opinion that it goes both ways, According to the opinion that it goes both ways, it's not going to be problematic. Because according to the opinion that it goes both ways, since it goes Ruvain to Shimon, Shimon to Ruvain, right? So therefore, there is a situation where you're going to have to give it to the Beis HaMikdash. The case you're going to have to give the Beis HaMikdash, where Shimon's assets were also on Ruvain, Shimon doesn't want to collect it, it has to go to the Beis HaMikdash. But according to the opinion that we only discussed in a situation where Ruvain's assets are also on Shimon, we can't be talking about a case where Shimon's assets are also on Ruvain because you wouldn't be allowed to give it back if Shimon. So we're only talking about where Ruvain's assets are also on Shimon. Well, if we're only talking about where Ruvain's assets are also on Shimon and it's only compensatory, you're only paying back what you owe, what, the, what you owe the gun, you should be able to give it. So why do you have to give it? So make that. That's going to be the problem. Let's read this inside. In a place where wages are collected for, are paid for the efforts of the, the, the Meshav Aveda, people are not hectic, it has to go to the base of Megdash. Now, Bishlom Alamanda Amar, that makes sense, a filu bishenixem asasurin albal Aveda mahadir. That the mission is talking about both ways, whether Ruben's Asur nechatim to Shimon, or Shimon's nechatim Asur to Ruben. That both cases you're allowed to give back the 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 as the the, the aveda so hainu de mitaretz makom that's how you can explain the makom the case of makom talking about specifically where Shimon's assets are also to Ruvain and Shimon doesn't want to take the the, the wages like we said before that's the case where it goes to the base of mikdash elamanda amavenitz and mafzir asurin but according to the opinion that we're only talking about a case where Ruvain's assets were also to Shimon and not Shimon's assets also to Ruvain so why can't Ruvain turn around and pay the wages according to this version, that's only compensation. It's not problem. So, below, uh, so therefore, the next day, surin below mahader. So therefore, the the word below mahader, I think they take out of here. So hechemetaritz law. So in this, how are you going to explain the situation over here? If lechora, the only case in the Mishnah is where at the Shimon's as, where Reuben's assets are also to Shimon. Not with Shimon's assets are also to Ruvain. And therefore, you can be returned, you can return the Aveda, not a problem, where Ruvain's assets are also to Shimon, you can return it. So in such a case, when Ruvain wants to pay the wages, why shouldn't he be able to pay the wages? Ah, his assets are also, but this compensation, not a problem. On that big more remains Kasha, we can't. That, this, according to the second version, that's going to be a question that we're going to have difficulty resolving. That is going to be problematic. Be right back. Now, the next piece of Gemara actually we're showing him deal with what exactly is the segue here. It would seem to be a standalone piece of a, a ruling that doesn't really segue well from the last sugyo into the next one. But so we're going to just learn it seems to be just a standalone ruling. I'm a rubber. The case over here is talking about that somebody had been, been mafkir. Someone had given ownership, uh, given up ownership on a loaf of bread. There's a loaf of bread standing and the Ron explains it's within Dalit Amis. It's within your eight feet. Right? Now the rule, the Chachamim Paskin Bametziah, is that if something's within your eight feet, 
you can actually acquire it without act, making a physical uh, right. You can be, but you have to have in mind to say it's not. That doesn't make them automatically, but yeah, you can have in mind. But this person, instead of acquiring it for himself, says, "I want this to be hegdish." Which is within his ability, because since it's in his ability to acquire it, it's also within his ability to say that it's going to become, uh, become the base of Mikdash. Therefore, I still have of Kikosh al Hefker, but Kikosh zu Hegdish. Okay. Now it becomes Hegdish. Now the Allah is, when something becomes Hegdish, it is subject to the laws of Me'ilah, misappropriation. Okay, now, misappropriation can occur in one of two ways. One is where you transfer jurisdiction. If you go ahead and take something that belongs to make the mikdash and you sell it to somebody, the change of jurisdiction is also considered to be an act of misappropriation. Or you can benefit a pruta. You go ahead and benefit from it. So therefore, you take a you take a bite out of it, or you know that's also considered to be a misappropriation. So now the difference is that if you change jurisdiction, you have now misappropriated the entire asset, and you have to pay a fifth of its entire value. Whereas if you just take a bite out of it, the only misappropriation is what? The value value of what you benefited instead of having benefit from the entire thing. So that's going to be the... And then you have to pay. Each place you have a carbon and you have to pay a fifth but the plus the principal plus a fifth it's going to make a difference in terms of what the misappropriation was. Can I sell that though and take the fruit and then whatever I sell for and bring it to the base of Vigash? That's okay or you can redeem it from the base of Megdash, but selling it with a, I mean, the act of selling it, you've I taken can't. asset now, you've, you've deconsecrated on your own without doing it through the base of Megdash. That itself is the misappropriation. Now, so what is it like this? So now, he picks it up to eat. Now, the Gemara understands right now, since this was never really his, it wasn't like something that, if I have my own object, and I say, this is my own object, I want this to become Hefgur. I mean, I, I'm not Hefgur, I want this to become Hegdish. So Allah is that, let's say he forgot, he doesn't realize that it's Hegdish. He picks it up to eat. The act of picking it up is not itself an act of misappropriation, because since it was my asset that I made Hegdish, I become like a Shomer. I become the one who has to watch it. So my picking it up, even though I intend to eat it, is not an act of misappropriation until I take a bite out of it. That will be the misappropriation. But this was never his to watch. Why was it never his to watch? Because it always was Hefker. It was Hefker, and he made it Hegdish. Now, in this case, where he picks it up to eat, the actual picking it up is the misappropriation. Because now he's transferring it from Hegdish's domain... To his own domain. That is the misappropriation on the entire loaf. That's why the Ryan says, we're talking about specific case of Hefker, as opposed to where it was his to begin with, because then the picking it up would not be an act of misappropriation in and of itself, because you have to watch it anyway. But he's obviously allowed to pick it up and bring it to the base. For sure. That's right. right. That's right. So Moses is like this. So Ma'alafikulo. That is considered to be a misappropriation of the entire loaf. Now, what happens if he picked it up and said, right... Uh, his guy says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass away soon. I want to keep this loaf as a, to, to go over as an inheritance. Okay, obviously, why the law? I'm not getting into that. But he wants to go over as a Yerusha for his children. So he's not really picking it up for his own sake. He's picking it up that it should be available. He's like, so now, what is the real benefit over here that he's getting? What is the benefit? He's not taking it for himself. Benefit his kids. But how is he benefiting it? How's he? I understand how they're benefiting it. How's he benefiting it? His 
kids will be thankful. That's exactly right. Is that the full value of the loaf? No. no. Whatever you're trying, whatever, it's a partial value of the loaf. So in such a case, we picked it up to use for Yerusha for his kids. The part that he has to pay for misappropriation is whatever they get signed is going to be a portion of the actual value itself. So therefore, like this. So therefore, The only me'ila is for the for the benefit he's receiving from the fact that they now have gratitude to him. That's what you have to pay the Chomash. That's all it is. It's not on the entire loaf because he never picked it up to make it his. He never changed domain for it either. He's just using it now for them. So that's what is going to be the uh, misappropriation that has to be paid for. That is, now again, what's this connected with anything? Stand alone. Move forward. Ba'aminei Rabchia Bar'av Rav Rabchia Bar'avin asked Rav the following question. Kikri Alecho. Right. Now, let me just set this up in, in, in a way that makes sense of you. If I say, I read this loaf of bread, I'm making a nether that Kikar Zeh, this loaf of bread is usher to you. Alright? And then I turn around and I gift it to you. Is, are you allowed to benefit from this loaf of bread? Yes or no? No, I, I said this loaf of bread. But that's not what you said over here. You said my loaf of bread, Kikri, my loaf of bread is usher to you. The question is, when I go and gift it to you, you could argue that what? At that point, it's no longer loaf. my loaf of bread. If it's no my longer loaf, my loaf of bread, maybe at that point... Then I maybe I'm allowed to get it. That's the Shiloh. If I said I didn't say this loaf, I said my loaf. Does it change when it's no longer my loaf, or do I say no? I just said my loaf, but it applies even when it's no longer my loaf. That the, the nether would still apply. So that's what the Shiloh is over here. So bar bar kikri My loaf is also to you as a with a nether. Then he turned around and gifted it to him. Maha, what's going to be our locha? Kikri amaloi. They said, my loaf. So ki isa b'shusem means when I am the owner of it, that's when the nether applies. Who do usher? But when I gift it to you, when it becomes your loaf. It's yours anyway. Right. It becomes. Then it's no longer my loaf. And therefore what? It's okay. Which will be okay. The key over here is that this loaf is also on you. It's true, it's my loaf right now, but it's also on you. Which means that even when I gift it to you, it's still going to be also to you. So therefore what? To you it's considered hegdish. Under all circumstances it's hegdish. It doesn't matter if it's mine or yours, it'll still be also. So Amar Lay, so Rabbi answered Pshito. It's obvious the Abagab the Yavli Matana Osir. That even if he gifts it to him, it should still remain Osir. Why? And, and he uses, uh, and, and he, he says something like in a cynical manner. He says, why? Because think about it. I said, it's true, I said my loaf. But what, 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 what was I coming to exclude? Was I coming to exclude when you steal it from me? I mean, when you steal it from me, then, then it's, and it's still mine, then it should still be Oster. Obviously, if I said it's my loaf is Oster on you, I'm not coming to tell you that you don't know how to steal it from me. It means that even when I give it to you, it's still Oster. Otherwise, why did I say this loaf is Oster to you? Just for the case where you're going to steal it? Obviously not. It means even when I gift it to you. That's what he must have meant. So when he says like this, Ela kikri alecho, he said my loaf is Oster on you. It means what? La fuke is only to exclude my la fuke, the ego, only, if I, only that you can't steal it from me. Obviously, that can't be what I was thinking. What I must have been thinking, my loaf is also on you, means even when I want to give it to you, 
the, the loaf will still remain usher. So therefore, so it can't be lafuka just even kind of a minimum. So he says like this, so, 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 that, so that's what Rubber thought as portion. Rabchibar Avin pushed back. He said, no. I'll tell you what it means. It means like this. Maybe it means as long as it's my loaf, it's usher to you. You know what it's coming to exclude? Not when you come and steal it. Let's say I invite you for a meal. Now this is the way the Ron learns, it opens up a whole can of worms. But let's say the case is that I invite you for a meal. Alright? And you're sitting down at my table. At the end of the day, whose loaf of bread are you eating? My loaf. That's what it's coming to exclude. It's coming to exclude that I'm not going to be able to invite you. But if I want to take something and gift it to you... But I feel like I can't make some object usher for you. Like, not, not if it's, but not if it's, I can't make your object when you own it, but I can make my object on me when it's mine to begin with. But the bottom line is, so, so the rubber's riot is, why else am I saying it? I'm not coming to exclude that you can't steal it from me. Obviously, I'm coming to exclude that I can't gift it to you. Pushes back, rubber, uh, what's his name, um, no, I'm coming to exclude that you can't, that you can't, when, that you can't have it in my house. But when, but, but, if, but if I give it to you, then talking could be that become mutter. So therefore the answer that you're saying is not necessarily that what you're saying it makes sense, doesn't necessarily have to be. So therefore, I'm a little no, Allah, that if you come and, and invite you per, the person, that's what it's coming to be. Now, the reason why it opens up a whole can of worms is there is a Ramah that says that just as on the first night or second night of sukkahs, you should sit in your own sukkah, he says that, 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 that it's possible that on the first night of, of, of Pesach or the second night of Pesach, you should eat your own matzah. So the question is, so what do you do if you've invited to someone's house. So the, so, so the Ramah holds is that if somebody's inviting you, then the food that you're eating yours. becomes yours. Now if that's true, then this Gemara doesn't make sense. Because then you can't make a difference between whether he's inviting. This Gemara seems to say that no, if you're, e- if you're eating at burn's house, you're still eating his. Whereas if you're eating... So that, that's where the Mephoshim deal with the gentleman stop over here. You need the sugar tomorrow.